and welcome to Women in the Arts Podcast. I'm here with special guest Brittany Goodwin. Hello. Hello. Yay. So Brittany Goodwin is a director based here in New York City. Mm -hmm. Yes. Guilty as charged. Yes. So (laughs) we're just going to talk about Brittany and all the stuff that you're about. So um, tell me why you chose directing out of all the other mediums like in theater. Well... I always wanted to be a director. Um, I think like ever since high school, yeah. I, I, you know, you take your obligatory theater arts class and I, um, the first thing that I ever did, strangely enough, was a music video project for Regina Spector's Us. I'm like a super, super, super Regina fan. I just saw her for the 12th time oh last God. week. Um, so I just found that I loved going back to my roots in storytelling mm-hmm. and being excited about a story and getting other people excited about a story as a character yeah. and as a viewer and just marrying that and seeing kind of like the two sides of the lens, like the looker and and the object. Yes. It was super cool and I really, really got excited about that and I was like, yeah, I think this is something I could do. Yeah, and so... Do you mainly do like musicals, plays, operas, or do you kind of like well, mesh all three? I kind of mesh all three. Okay. Um, my roots are in drama and, mm-hmm. and musical theater um, because that's what I used to perform. Yeah. And um, a little over a year ago, yeah. an, an opera opportunity kind of fell on my yeah. lap and I, I did that. I did Follow the House of Usher. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And mm-hmm. I was like, I think I want to start doing opera. And I kind of basically have exclusively been directing opera and kind of writing opera as well over this past year. And it's thrilling and exciting. And marrying what I know and and love about drama and musical theater and kind of like integrating its nuances in opera, yeah. I think it gives it such like a fizz and pop that yeah. I haven't seen so far in mm-hmm. opera, so I'm like, cool, am I inadvertently pioneering something? I don't even know. Maybe, Maybe. you are, <laughs> yeah. I think we're <laughs> all just Yeah, right? So what do you think like the main differences are between like if you're directing a straight play versus an opera? Oh god, it's with drama, there's so much there's so much around the table and stripping yourself down until you're just this this open rib cage mm-hmm. and you are just talking about who you are and who your character is mm-hmm. and what the story is these these all sound such like pedestrian thoughts but they're so intricate and there's such a heartbeat within each of them and and you might say something about your character that resonates with another human being and you're just going on and on and on and talking about that and crafting this ecosystem of a world plays are so complex and and there's so much pathos everywhere mm-hmm. especially modern drama because the world that we live in is so freaking bizarre and and these operas that I go about the 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 storylines are kind of rather straightforward it's not it's not story driven it's it's performance driven it's it's vocally driven and to make a story even more 3D and resonant in an opera is kind of far more satisfying to me yeah. because you kind of have to work harder. I want my actors, my singers rather, yeah. to, <laughs> I, I always call them my actors, yeah. um, to have the round table experience mm-hmm. and be like, well, talk about this, talk about this beat, talk about this moment, what's under that, and how do you feel about that? And, and they're like, wow, 
that. And I was like, well, now you do. And now we do. integrating that. And I think the, the visual of the table, mm-hmm. it's, it's such like an old, you know, like Chekhov thing, but, oh, but yeah. viewing the table and having singers sit around it and talk as if they're actors and storytellers and then go up and do it. Oh my God, it's just, it's night and day. It really, really is. Okay, interesting. Because I've only done plays mainly, Mm -hmm. which is like so, you find you really have to like break down the character and you just have to like, it's like you're undressing and like getting naked and then it's like, okay, now go. Yeah. Like you're naked on stage and everyone's watching you like be vulnerable. The vulnerability as a character in a play Mm -hmm. and and speaking really, I always, whenever I direct, I speak as a performer first because Mm -hmm. that's what I was and that's kind of what all of us were. Um, as directors and, and I, there's nothing like it. There's really nothing like feeling that, as you said, naked and vulnerable. And, and that's really all you have to sit with in a play. Everything is the rhythm and tempo of your heartbeat and your scene partners. But then there's opera where it's your heartbeat is, is powered and fueled by this music that someone else Mm -hmm. wrote and, and this, this recit that's being popped at you. And it's like, there's so much juggling. How do you fit a human experience within bars of someone else's, of someone else's thoughts and feelings? So that's what you do. That's what I do. That's what I try to excavate with my little, my my little hammer here. Yes. So, um, do you feel that as a woman director, as a director who just so happens to be a woman, woman. you know, do you feel (laughs) that you have like a certain obligation that you bring to your work in any way? Like, how do you feel about that? I can't, I can't help but think that just because I, I obviously see the world through, through a woman's perspective that Mm -hmm. that's not imprinted on my work. Um, I always, just as a reader, gravitate towards female plays. Novels, not so much. I always gravitate towards a male novel, um, just because I feel like, um, it's more Mm exposition-based and, and less flowery, and I kind of need that in a book. But in a play, I need to, I need all the flowers, and I need all the scents, and I need all of that sensory stuff. Um, and like, if you want to get technical, let's like go back to the technical. Let's get technical. Let's get technical. We're here, right now. Like, you know, the men are the hunter-gatherers, and the women are the storytellers back at home preparing the meal and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, we're, we're silly to think that that doesn't, you know, that hasn't crafted who who we have been through, you know, the lines of family and whatnot. And, um, so yeah, I think that how I see the world as a woman directly translates in, in my pieces because I, I see things more tenderly, not, Mm. not saying that men don't as well, but, but we, we are led, we are led so much by our ribs and our hearts and our souls and there's something so soft about that. And I think that when I choose moments that are hard, they're, they're even harder because the world that they live in is soft. And I think that that is a common theme throughout my work. Okay, awesome. Yeah. That's so great. Uh, so what does being an artist mean to you? Wow. Um, there's such a great responsibility about being an artist. I can't help but think it's so funny. Like some people are like, your job's so cool. Like you go and you do all these rehearsals and you write all day. And like, you know, like how do you do all this? And it's like, wow. Mm, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> well, first of all, I don't know how yeah, I do it. Nobody but second knows. of all, there's so much work 
and responsibility, you're right, that goes along with it. Um, I feel sometimes that it is my job as an artist to hold the mirror up to society. <laughs> These are the things that are um, wrong or or ill-spoken or clumsy mm -hmm. about the world. But other times I have to respect the fact that art is an escape and that the viewer comes to escape this, this nasty, this nasty surrealist, bizarre world that we're living in right now. And when you're assessing a piece, you have to say, what is this to a person? Um, and and how, do I, how do I craft an environment that they will live comfortably in mm -hmm. or live in and be on edge and kind of form a discussion about. Yeah. Um, something that, I mean, in, in school we had to read um, poetics, Aristotle's poetics, mm -hmm. and there is this one phrase that I always, always, always retreat back to, and it is that the audience should experience the proper purgation of the emotions. Yes. So within a comedy, uh -huh. there has to be something that, that's a bit jarring that sticks out that, that they will talk about. Yes. And in a drama, there has to be moments of release or else we're tense the whole entire time. Yes. I, I always go back to the visual of like a wrung cloth. Like if you're just wrung the whole time, you're, you're hurting and, mm -hmm. and you can't experience everything that you should. So there has to be those moments where we're releasing tension, but we go right back to the heart of the matter. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, what, what we do is we have a great responsibility as artists. Um, as good artists and that's something that you have to cultivate through time and opportunity mm -hmm. and and through people mm -hmm. I, I really pride myself that every project that I do is so ensemble based it's oh, not yeah. I'm holding the leader stick yeah stick, everyone and, like follow like, me yeah like, yeah um because no good art comes from that mm -hmm. it, you have to know when to where to lead them to but work as a community where you've led them to yes um so yeah that that yeah. kind of that kind of is my my thing as an artist yeah i mean i feel like as artists we see the world differently than anybody else i feel like our oh, yeah. lenses like will we see situations and we see events or whatever through very different eyes because we're artists. Yeah. And I feel like that's so important to hold on to. That's so important to like recognize and realize yeah. as artists. And um, my, my dad was a muralist and, and he's an artist. Um, his stuff is really, really incredible. Yeah. And, I th and I can't help but think that when I was small and just like seeing like all of these paints and all of these big things that 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 shaped my lens and that colored it and I'm such a visual person yeah. I I have to when I'm when I'm reading text I have to create the atmosphere around me yeah. and paint out what it would look like I mean even when I'm writing as well I yeah. have to know where these people are living yeah um so yeah you're it's totally right we see things we see things kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And especially, like, I hate to bring up politics. I know nobody likes to do that. But in this climate of politics that we're in, uh, we're seeing, like, almost a new renaissance of art. Yes. In a way. Like, 1984 mm -hmm. and with Michael Moore's play and even with Julius Caesar. Like, yeah. I feel like we're in a whole new renaissance of, like, no one's afraid anymore. Everyone's like, oh, here it is. We're gonna, like, put it all out on the table. Yeah, like, this and, is... and you know, I'm I'm not a cynic by nature. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very... Not to say that I wasn't affected by, um, by the goings-on politically, and yeah. I still am not. Or, or that I'm not still, but I I did think that the, there would be something 
born artistically from this because people were being relentless and they were not they were not giving up mm -hmm. they were out they were marching they were putting their money where their mouth is um my dad's from scotland and he said so I, years and years and years ago um something that i don't understand about americans is that they hide behind their computers there's no stump speeches there's no coming together as a union like it's just people bitching and people weren't bitching this time mm -hmm. people were being active and how how art thrives from people oh, being yeah, active right it's and like what a time to be alive exactly exactly so you you have to you have to find communion and and reverence in things like that when you're sad oh yeah so you have a ton of projects coming up. i do one coming up this month yes, right yes, yes. oh my gosh next week oh my goodness and that is la calista yes right mm -hmm. and where is that going up tell us about that um it's summer shares at la mama experimental theater and it is with delarte opera ensemble Ooh, okay. i worked for delarte last um last season last summer I was assistant director to kyle fort miller on la traviata and kyle was one of the Marchese's at the Met oh. and I got to direct the scenes program where I did act one of La Rondinée, and it was one of the best experiences ever um and when Chris and Karen my my lovely lovely bosses um took me aside and and in October and they're like so we're planning for next season and we would love for you to be a main stage director I like I was like yes yes what do you want me to do yes I'm <laughs> yes, there perfect. I'm here here I am hi um but Rondine was so special for me because um, I, I felt really supported to to experiment in opera while learning how to do it well. There's nothing that peeves me more than going to a show and people arbitrarily just being like, "Well, this is set on the moon because it's cool, and uh, mm -hmm. and everyone's going to do drugs on the moon, and this is what the opera is going to be." Mm -hmm. And it's like, "Well, but what what, what logical parallels are there?" Yeah. And and my bosses are so wonderful about like sitting down with me, and I'm saying like okay, this is what I want to do, and this is why I think that this would live well in this atmosphere. And they, what I call, back me into a corner and mm -hmm. say, like, that's great. Well, what about this? How are you going to justify this? How can this live in that world? And I'm like, thank you. This is what I need. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what I need. Question so, La Rondine, I set in um, the 1968 um, uh, social revolution in Paris, uh -huh. um, where, like, students were, like, marching on the streets, and there was, you know, all of these big, like, riots, and and there were such distinct, lovely parallels between Puccini's text and, and his Bohemia uh -huh. versus what was going on in 1968 over across in Paris. Yes. Um, so that was such like a, a landmark, cool project for me. So and now I'm doing Callisto. Yeah. And that is, oh my gosh, it has been such a lovely and wonderful experience. These artists that I'm working with, mm -hmm. the the singers are all, I, I, I couldn't be more proud of how open they are to anything, anything, yeah. anything. Um, the archers, um, Deanna's band of archers. We we do movement pieces, mm -hmm. and we're and we're viewpointing, and we're we're meeting at the park, and we're going in all of these yogi poses, and and devising devising little choreography based off of one another, and it's such a special experience. It really, it's just so wonderful. Um, and our our team of designers are all kick-ass females. Yes. Um, we have Claire um, Townsend, who is created the coolest costumes ever. I wanted this, like, surrealist kind of um, 
Magritte world that these these characters live in. So yeah. there's all of these huge veils and and some of them have monocles to overlook and there's these um cloud suits and all of these like cool crazy things yeah. going on and Claire really knocked it out of the park with that. Yushin is our um is our set designer mm -hmm. and everything is just super heightened and and everyone just really listens to one another and mm. conceptualizes and that's what that's what good art is just listening to one another and saying yes and let's do this yes mm -hmm. and let's do this and there's it, it's bountiful here mm -hmm. and we feel so supported with one another and that's why that's why it's awesome that's and i'm jumping works. up and down yeah. in my seat right now talking literally about you guys it. she's jumping up and down <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how I feel like all good art starts is when people are open and they say yes and everyone's just guard is down. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's ready and accepting to just like go into it. Yeah. Yeah. And you also have another project coming up. Yes. I do. That's very exciting. I do. I do. Um, so next month I will be in Paris and I will be finishing the libretto of Tabula Rasa, mm -hmm. which is a new jazz opera with my writing partner, Felix Girard. And it is about Kiki de Montparnasse and her studio sessions with Man Ray. Um, and I find myself getting so excited talking about this yes. and everyone's like, wow, it's great. Mm -hmm. Who's Man Ray? <laughs> and I was like, oh, sorry, like artist oh, dad, remember? Yeah. So um, the girl with the violin back, um, that is Kiki de Montparnasse. That is one of Man Ray's most iconic images. And um, she is a muse who left her artist. And she is one of, like, in my opinion, one of, like, the first, like, kick-ass icons for for us as women yeah. who just, you know, can live socially and unabashedly and live how they freaking want, but still, you know, like, maintain, I don't know, like, maintain these brilliant ideas and and leave such an impression mm -hmm. on all of us. So it's she's really, really cool. So I'm going to Paris, and I'm going to Montparnasse, and I am finishing this freaking libretto and lyrics, and we premiered one of the songs already. Oh, good! And it went really, really, really well, and I'm working on the second aria right now, and yeah, it's an exciting time. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, keep a lookout for Brittany. And thanks so much for being on here. Thanks for coming. Oh my and gosh, like, thank you so much for having yes. me. Yes. And getting excited and popping <laughs> up and down with me. <laughs> yes, of course. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.